Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 579, as we continue our series in misbegotten sequels and their typically better counterparts. Is this misbegotten, though? Uh, well, from a box office standpoint, it certainly That's was. That's fair. Okay. Uh, but right now, we're tackling the source material, which is Gremlins. Got to give him a reason to listen, Joe. We can't spoil it now. That's yeah. not really spoiling it as much, I guess. I mean, uh, all of them. It's in the title, around... Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think he means whether or not the sequel is misbegotten. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. That's not part of this so episode. I, <laughs> I guess uh, let's go around the uh, virtual table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Uh, quick shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can get podcasts, you can find us. And of course, while you're there, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode and uh, leave a review if you're so inclined. That's always helpful. It's pretty impressive. We're actually on Spotify like Joe Rogan, so it's pretty elite yeah. place to Yeah. Hey. And he's just making like, ju- I mean, he's making like, I'd say about $100 million more than we are. <laughs> well, I was thinking it was take. more like $101 million, but. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the negative. Like, that's yeah. how. Oh, boy. Oh, we're not in the negative a million. We better not be. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't like this that much. Got to turn this in now, right? Uh, uh, so, and then also, uh, you can uh, find us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. Uh, groups are great place for conversation. Chiming in on uh, things you hear on an episode. If you want to have a counterpoint, if you like something we didn't, or vice versa, well, we we love to hear from you as long as you're not too terribly douchey about That's it. That's on the other and, one. That's on the page, not the. Yeah, that's not the. And then uh, what else? Oh yeah, you can also become a uh, join the League of Show Shares by sharing an episode. People who were kind enough to share an episode this week: Ralph Tribble, Gabriel Lugo, Travis Tewitt, Griffin Fox Smith, Brent Smith, uh, no relation, Ron Johnson, Chris Sanders, Chris Williams, again, no relations, Uh, (laughs) Heather Sachs, Tammy Sherman Powers, Aaron Marlowe, Lane Levanway, Carl Clarkson. Julianne Jordan, Chris, Magic Man, and Colby Mack. So thank you very much, guys, for sharing the episode. We really appreciate it. And, of course, our Patreon, patreon.com 
uh, slash real spoilers, where for five bucks you get bonus content and you help us out and we like you a little bit extra. So there's all that, I guess, uh, Gremlins. Well, I think Joe has a, a little bit of WB-related news. I feel like, so HBO Max kicked off, right? Did everybody yes. check it out? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah, it was all right. It's a little wonky day, like week one, which I can accept. It's, it's but pretty much news... it's pretty much the exact same thing as HBO Go Purple. <laughs> pretty much, <yeah. laughs> the, the app on the TV <laughs> is the exact same interface, like when you play and like the titles and like everything about it, the way that it works, except for it's like purple colors on it. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. Uh, I don't like it. You don't like purple. I don't like. I don't like the color. I think they're probably. <laughs> oh. I think they're trying to find a color that differentiates them. So like Netflix has already taken red. Hulu kind of has a green. Sure. And and I think they just they want a color that says this is our color. Definitely. And obviously, there's they got I mean, it. There aren't a finite amount of colors technically, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, so I think the the coming out this week is that Henry Cavill is back. Like the, he's signed to. Uh, well, he hasn't signed. I don't know if he's signed. Yeah, I yet, think they. It's in discussions. He's, he's not in the process of uh, maybe coming not as a super in a Man <laughs> of Steel sequel. So they're but... just never going to do a Man of Steel sequel. They still have not, and now they're just like, yeah, you can show up in other people's movies. Yeah, you can. Sh- it's like I, from what I've understood, it's a three appearance deal. So to me, that says Shazam, Wonder Woman, Black Adam. Well, I bet. I mean. Wonder Woman is pretty much done. I guess that's true. I don't know I that. Mean, yeah, They'd, I I just don't yeah, know. They've, they've never re-edited one of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's kind of cool. Like I, I we've said, we've always said is that he was never the problem. Oh. He deserved a better shot. There are scenes in Justice League where he is given an opportunity to uh, smile and not be mopey. That I that I, I mean. You know that when he shows up to fight Steppenwolf. Oh, I don't uh, remember that movie at all. I saw it once, it's and, a, which is fine. Like, there's yeah. that scene where, or actually, it's more the scene with Alfred when he shows up at Alfred to get you know to talk to Alfred is a very good scene between the two. And then the last scene with the Flash, where he's ugh. able to smile a little bit. I get it. I get Here, that. That here's my question. You know how uh, if you're like uh, a baseball player, right? They have things in their contracts like, you know, you're not allowed to change your own tire or you can't ride a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. You know, because you're you're too valuable. You know, right. same way like surgeons won't change their own tires. Right. You got to protect your hands. You know, no cutting your own grapefruit. Things like that. <laughs> Do you think in Henry Cavill's contract they have forbidden him from ever again? growing a mustache yes, <laughs> yes. And this that, oh this time around if they rehire yeah. him there's no right. way he's allowed <laughs> to, like, to grow a mustache th- three picture deal if you grow a mustache null and void null and void can we talk oh, about like done. how insane it is that that became a thing like now that we've had what a did? little bit of distance the mustache like the fact that that was like a oh. major news item and a, a um bone of contention and i'm not saying it was not bad but i'm saying like that was something that got tons of press tons of articles yeah. tons of like a mustache it, it, to me looking back that's uh, we live in a world where like that was a big deal and that seems crazy to i'll me. go back to that world any day of the week right 
the, the can did you remember when the internet was complaining about an actor having a mustache <laughs> in a movie that they had to digitally remove <laughs> oh my god that sounds like heaven and they did it so poorly <laughs> yeah they, they did oh. that was the other problem is that he had he had a very uh weird upper lip that yeah. they couldn't figure out what to do with but yeah i think i like i said i'm happy the guy gets another shot hopefully he gets to be the character i mean looks i've said from the jump from jump street he looks like he came out of a comic book you know what the only problem i have is i i like henry cavill as superman i like the movie man of steel i always have i've never changed my opinion on that but i'm this universe is so messed up Mm -hmm. when they talk about bringing people back like like affleck i mean unless something changes but as far as we know affleck is out as batman and then I don't think he'll come back. I don't. Th- I, I don't think. I don't think he ever will. Yes, because he had such yeah. a terrible time. I agree. But right. so. But as far as we know, I mean, things can change. But he's out as Batman. And then we had super, this, you know, Superman stuff where Cavill was supposedly out, and it's been several years, and they couldn't get him for Shazam and all this stuff, whatever. And then if they bring him back, you're just murking the waters between what are we doing? Because now we have Robert Pattinson Batman, but then we have super that superman from those movies still exists which means that that so what i what i I would do is i would go forward with that flashpoint movie yes you have as much as i hate as much as much as i hate i hate flashpoint with a vengeance it is kind of their only option if they want to write this ship yes bring in a different well you do flashpoint you reset the flash goes back and messes something up or met or does it or fixes something can we get not ezra miller though i would love to please like i would love for that to happen now we know because i finally watched crisis on infinite earths thank you very much so how good how did you like it yeah well i i mean yeah yeah it was fun it, for those fun. Sh- for those shows yes it's it was cool but um now we know that they can exist in the same medium please bring in grant gustin as the flash that everyone loves him as the flash like you can so you you have Barry Allen go back, fix something, mess something up, mm-hmm. and it resets your entire universe. So now you can bring in Robert Pattinson, you can bring in Henry Cavill, you can bring in Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa, and I mean you don't really have to explain why Batman is all of a sudden three inches shorter and about two hundred pounds lighter. Exactly. Don't just recast it. I mean he's from a different no, Earth. Just, like that's well, not even different Earth. Like. Because the Flash goes back in time, he oh, resets the timeline. You're saying same Earth, but just change. Yeah, same Earth. Oh, he just resets the timeline for whatever reason. Okay. I mean, I think that's you know? a little more difficult. I mean, you're just changing so much. But I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it could happen. All the concern about your internet, and he's the one who freezes up. <laughs> you froze up. We lost you all froze that. up, Kevin. We don't know what you said. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's a, yeah, that's a like great that, message that, to send to the listeners. listeners. <laughs> uh, that's no. kind of their only option. I just, you know, I it gets that gets so murky. Like, if it's the same Earth, like I like the idea. If you watch the Crisis on Infinite Earths, what I like about that is that they chose to show Earths that are so different, and therefore things were, mm-hmm. you know, had changed drastically. And okay, you accept that because it's a completely different Earth. And while some things are similar, some things are very different. And so if they just reset the timeline and all of a sudden you're saying he's still Bruce Wayne on that same Earth, but he looks completely different, like I don't buy that as much as it's Bruce Wayne from Earth 2. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. I don't. No, I don't sense. see how how the Flash going and stepping on a butterfly would make Bruce Wayne turn <laughs> from Ben Affleck to Robert Pattinson. Like that to me, I don't buy as much as bringing Flash. The Flash sneezes sneezes into the mouth of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, <laughs> and kills all the dinosaurs. So yeah. honestly, though, all it would take is for is for his parents to to copulate two or three seconds in a di- in a different direction either way, and it could theoretically be. A totally different person right mm. right 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 yeah but do you True. did you did you see that show hollywood on netflix no that the dude on that show looks like super like if they were to recast it that's the dude they should recast huh. like he looks like a much younger He he's a weird hybrid of christopher reeve and henry cavill oh interesting like if you look at him look, go watch that show at least the first episode to see what i'm talking about but he looks it. like this weird hybrid of both of those guys and huh. i feel like if they want to go younger i mean cavill's 37 not saying that's old it's very young by the way <laughs> robert pattinson is in his early 30s i think which actor is it that you're talking about do you know the guy's name i don't uh, he's like he's the main guy, I think. Okay, I'm just I'm looking at a picture of like the main actors, and I kind of could see what you're saying about these two main actors that are next to one another. So I'm like, uh, which one? Uh, there's one. Pat- Robert Pattinson is uh, 34. Okay, I mean, so that age gap is not in in movie time is not that big a deal, you yeah. know? No. Let's see here, Hollywood. David Corn. Uh, David Corn and Sweat. Not Darren Chris. <laughs> okay. Well, no, Darren Chris is the guy from Glee, right? Darren Chris is also the voice of Superman in the new DC animated movie. Ah, okay, okay, I could see it. He's like a he does a lot of business on Broadway, wasn't he? Like in oh, Kinky does he? Boots and yeah, I think so. There we go. But so yeah, I just thought that was interesting that he got that Cavill is apparently back in some form or another. Yeah, we'll see. I just I really was hoping that they would. Um, I mean, I know they're talking about sticking to solo movies, which would be a smart move, but it's so murky with the fact that it's already a part of this uni- this failed universe. Yeah. And you kind of just hope that they'll do it right, you know, restart it so that there's none of that, none of the leftover stuff. But right now it is so messy with, you know, I mean, when, uh, the, when you're going forward with Wonder Woman, you've got an Aquaman sequel coming, right. you know, you've got all this different, they just, they screwed the pooch early and they have uh, not stopped. And it sucks so bad because it's like none of us want DC to fail. I mean, I, I've i always been a DC guy as far as mm-hmm. comics and, and the characters go. So it's so it's so frustrating as a fan to have to keep wading through these murky waters and you just hope that they'll eventually get this thing right. Maybe. Speaking of murky waters, uh, Ryan Gosling is the Wolfman. Did you sure. see that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. The dark universe. Speaking of failed universes. Is this, is this a Blumhouse thing? <laughs> this is, is he... the Blumhouse thing. Well, yeah. then, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Good to go. I, was, I just thought that was cool. <laughs> Do it. So uh, I guess enough of that. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk Gremlins, shall we? Man, I love this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I, it's, it's funny to watch it with, uh, now that I've seen a lot, I have a, I watch it with a different eye, is you can see, there's a lot of Joe Dante here, mm-hmm. but like the whole beginning of this movie is a Spielberg movie. And then as soon as uh, Mowgli, as soon as the Mowgli. Gremlins show up, Mowgli, <laughs> sorry, Magua, uh, Gizmo. Gizmo, as soon as Gizmo, <laughs> the, the Gremlins show up, it turns into a Joe Dante movie. Yeah. 
which I thought was insanely. I never noticed it until this last viewing. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Like the movie before it turns bad at like, I don't know, what is it? Like 20, 20 something minutes. The other gremlins show up. It's it's like an hour and a half movie, but the gremlins show up quick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they don't waste any time getting to it. I mean, you're getting your gremlin in in essentially the opening scene. I mean, you don't really see him till the what the second one. But but still, I mean, they I was I was kind of like, boy, I feel like today. If they made this movie, there'd be thirty minutes of just complete BS. We'd have a whole we, history of the. We'd wise. get an origin story, <laughs> and yeah, totally. And it's like an, you know, and instead they're just like, here's a guy walking into a shop with. I mean, now, <laughs> totally. Now you can you can argue that you know maybe it's a tad racially insensitive by today's standards. I don't know. Is it? Um, I mean, it's it kind of it. Well, yeah. I mean, it does play into that whole mystical Asian stereotype. I mean, this I guess guy's that's true. Right out of Central Casting with the Fu Manchu mustache and the that that dude. I isn't he like a big time bit actor though? Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. The guy that plays that guy like wasn't isn't that the guy from? Oh man, I could have sworn he was in something else. He. I mean, he probably is. I mean, most you yeah. know. There weren't a lot of Asian actors that broke through, but the yeah, ones that true. got any amount of work tended to get kind of all of the work. Yeah, yeah. I'm not super familiar with him. Like like a Pat Morita, you would know from a ton right. of different stuff. Uh, and James Hong, you would know from a ton yeah. of different stuff. Like this guy, I wasn't super familiar with his filmography. Oh, you know what? He's in a Friday the 13th movie. Oh, he's there, in oh well, he's, that's what it is. Oh. That's where I recognize him from. He's an all-star. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, he's been around since the thir- or I mean, he's probably not around anymore, but he's been around since he was acting in the 30s. He was uh in a lot of Charlie Chan movies, which obviously did not age well. Mm-hmm. I think it says he played Lee Chan. I think that was Charlie Chan's son. Um Really? Yeah, he had there was an ongoing thing of like uh my number one favorite son, I will not attempt to do the voice. Um <laughs> But and he he played that character a lot. Well, I mean, Joe you know. was a hundred percent correct, even if he didn't know it. Two hundred and twenty five credits on IMDb, so th- the dude was legit. I saw him in something. <laughs> you, yeah. I think we all have in a lot of things and didn't realize it. But it's weird how, like, I don't know. To me, at least, he doesn't go to the levels of those other actors who are iconic the other you know asian actors that you can say oh yeah he's in this and that and but i mean yeah this guy was a working actor for i mean his first credit was in 1934 like tom said and it's like his last credit goes to 1990 with 225 roles yeah so you know when you're when you have that (laughs) you can be a working actor like that you know yeah uh yeah it's like i i don't think i ever saw this i definitely i was two when this came out so i definitely did not see this in theaters yeah but i i honestly don't remember my first interaction with this movie but i feel like this this movie became like this weird pop culture sensation like with gizmo and like the when you get to part two, they start saying things. I was like, I do remember all of that, like, franchised and parceled out gizmo stuff. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And, like, the, you know how, like, you know, you had Garfields with suction cups on the back of car windows. I mean, you had gizmos that were on there. I mean, they, I mean, it's a Spielberg movie. They certainly merchandised the crap out of it, which is also kind of weird given, like, how dark the movie got. But, yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, the, like... Spielberg actually like made them kind of reshoot part of the movie because originally 
uh, Gizmo and Stripe were the same character. Gizmo turns into Stripe, which is why Gizmo disappears for a yeah. good chunk of the of the f- the final act of the film, and then uh, um, Spielberg was like, "But kids are gonna think Gizmo's cute, and if you turn him into the villain, now what do you got?" So instead, they they came up with this premise where you know Stripe is one of the other you know evil gremlins, and he's the good one, and and uh, not to spoil it, but uh, <laughs> the kid that plays Billy. They yeah. originally filmed it where he opens the blinds at the end and kills all the gremlins, and yep. he didn't know until he saw the film that they changed that to Gizmo <laughs> opening the blinds, and he was just like, oh, I I was going to be the hero of this film, and now apparently I'm Gizmo's sidekick. He is kind of the hero. I mean, he's a human hero. He's a human yeah. protagonist, but, but like he was supposed to be the guy that rides in and saves the day, and instead he's playing second fiddle to a... To a stuffed animal. <laughs> you know true. what's crazy is how a one small decision like that, one little tiny decision to change Gizmo to the hero, to have him not turn to be the villain, I think completely changed this franchise. Like, if if I think this would be just another schlocky horror movie that is not beloved if if Gizmo was not a cute, good gremlin. I mean, I think if I, I agree, uh, and I and I think that if if Gizmo wasn't like a a good guy, I think this movie fails because I think that it's not enough of a horror movie to appease horror fans. I think it would see that that's, that's where I disagree. I think that it would have been if they stuck to the original idea. Well, yeah, but they but they didn't like. I, they I didn't. mean, originally the kills were a lot gr- more gruesome, and mm-hmm. but like and so like if they hadn't. If if they had made essentially the same movie with the same kind of kills and I mean yeah there are some pretty extreme stuff except especially for the time frame but right. um uh but if if we had gotten this basically this kind of same movie but Gizmo turns into Stripe I think the horror fans would have been it's not horrific enough and obviously the family fans would have bailed and instead oh, yeah. they kind they they threaded this needle. You know, I, I remember seeing Gremlins originally. I mean, I saw it in the theater because I'm 100 years old. And, <laughs> and uh, um, I didn't really particularly care for it all that much. I, I I didn't like the tonal shift. And and like it's easier to enjoy now as an adult, like knowing the shift that it's going to take. Mm. But it's it's still kind of is to me is always it's a hard turn. Yeah. And, it, and turns, if, it, it it's not like a gradual turn. It's like, oh, we're going left now. Right, especially because they definitely they they set it up as a Spielberg style movie, right? Like it's big time. I mean, it's it's set in Not Hill Valley, mm-hmm. and I mean it's literally the same set, and, <laughs> and you know, and so and it's but it's it like, and I don't mean to say that the movie looks fake, but like, but like y- you can tell you're on a set mm-hmm. you're not yes. really in a town like this is all hollywood magic which i think is good like i think if it had a more grounded look it would it wouldn't work because it's too ridiculous sure so you, you need that kind of movie magic cocoon that it offers but but uh but yeah i, I think that that you know it, it it's definitely it's a pretty major head fake again especially for the time that Spielberg. I mean, keep in mind this movie came out in what eighty four. So yeah. Spielberg at that time was just synonymous with. I mean, you're you're gonna get E. T. and Close Encounters and these 
cute, inspirational kind of movies, and then you and then they're poltergeist, and you get this, and it's yeah, like... you're putting yeah, you're you're putting creatures in blenders. Well, you know, well, so look at look at it this way. So I so again, I think Spielberg saved this movie. I mean, I know he was you know in it from the inception, but I mean for making joe dante rein it in by giving him his style and sensibilities but making him give it the pg cut by adding those spielberg elements that we can identify um this movie was a huge box office success i mean it made 153.1 million dollars domestic and so when you go to a movie if, if it were a hard r and if they were to have lost all the family appeal to it look at a movie like child's play in 1988 that made 33 million dollars domestic like yeah, i have what though I mean, I, I don't disagree. Oh, I have no the... idea. The point is, though, that like this would have just been another. I mean, horror fans may love it. It may have sure. great practical effects still, but it would just fall into that. Oh, it's that gross rated R horror movie. And, you know, now can I offer you so, another piece of sure. data that will back up your point? Yeah. I know I don't do that often sure. uh, <laughs> to, to show you how much money this movie made, like just in comparison, like how well this movie did. Just a little piece of of movie news trivia. Gremlins opened the same day, the same day as Ghostbusters. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So the fact that it could still do that kind of box office, uh, you know, going head to head with, you know, you know, I, I'd have to look at a list. But it, I mean, is there a better movie in 1984? And then Ghostbusters, right. probably not. Yeah, if Gremlins whatever, was whatever one best picture, I don't know. Think about it. If Gremlins was rated R, I mean, there there'd be no way. Like there'd be no way it to get swallowed up. Yeah, for sure. So it, it was a smart move for sure. I mean, the way that everything worked out, and I think it was a win-win situation because again, Spielberg gave Joe Dante a lot of creative control. He let him make his movie, um, but you know, he did. You know, make that stipulation that he had to rein it in and they had to cut it down to PG at the time because there was no PG-13 yet. Uh, Spielberg would see to that very shortly here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, I think it was just like that perfect mashup. Now, I agree there is a tonal shift, like you guys said, but I don't know. I've always really liked it. I, I've always liked that feel where it comes in as that Spielberg kind of a feel and then sure, it goes off the rails because, I mean – as a first time viewer, not that I was this time, but when you are watching it for the first time, you don't know what to expect. And when it does that, I think it hits you in a certain way where you're feeling like Billy because Billy didn't know what to expect either. He thought he had a right. cute new pet that, you know, might <laughs> might become America's next great pet, like the dog or whatever his dad says. And then he's hit with these insane gremlins that are going around murdering people. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I always liked the, the feel of it and the tonal shift never was jarring as much as to me. Like it brought you along for the ride. I will also say though, is that I'm the only one of the three who probably, who, who watched it like going in completely blank, right? Like, probably, you know, I mean, I saw it, I don't think I saw it opening weekend necessarily, but I probably saw it in the first two or three weeks. So like, you know, you guys had some idea of what you were getting into where, Oh. I was just going to see the new Spielberg movie. I mean, you know? when I saw it on VHS as a kid, I didn't know anything about it, though, to the same effect. I, mean, I I don't know. I just feel like Gremlins has permeated the pop culture in such a way that you probably had some clue. Not when I was a and, kid. I mean, I watched it on VHS from the rental store. Like, there was no internet. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I had no exposure to it when I saw it the first time. 
as a as a kid. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Re- that's the thing is like I honestly don't remember. I feel like I may have seen it on VHS or maybe you know we've talked about those Saturday afternoon movies like it was one of those. But I I feel like I had I definitely had like a book. Like a it was it wasn't a comic book, but they they had like a, a book that like did the movie for kids. Do you have the record? I think I've, so. I've got the record. I've got the vinyl record storybook that cut that you play and you read along with. The I remember you, the cover was uh Billy with Gizmo in a backpack. Okay. I and like yeah. Billy's like it, looking over his shoulder at Gizmo. And here, Kevin, going in from a from a, a blank slate standpoint, the original poster for Gremlins. Yeah. Right? is a close-up of what I'm assuming is Billy. You don't see his face, mm-hmm. right? And he's holding a box, Yeah. and the lid is... Oh, it's got air holes, and the lid is open, and you see two cute little gizmo hands poking out. Yeah. And it says, cute, clever, mischievous, intelligent, dangerous. Like, that's all it says, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what you got. The VHX box f- cover for Gremlins is... <laughs> That exact same pose, except, uh, except now it's stripe, yeah, busting out of that box, <laughs> and it says we're here, and it says cute, clever, mischievous, intelligent, and stripe is holding a crayon, and it's all that's crossed out. <laughs> so I don't think you were quite the blank slate that you're remembering. <laughs> yeah, that now that could be very true. Yeah. It's interesting when we get to the poster for part two. You didn't watch a trailer, That's... though? I mean, didn't you watch movie trailers? Um, I'm trying to remember how much they really showed you in the original trailer. I'm sure, or, there's, or... but to that same point, if you're going to say it was on the VHS cover, I guarantee they they probably showed you a gremlin in the trailer. Maybe. I mean, I honestly don't. I mean, maybe I honestly don't remember. Yeah, I'm just saying. I doubt that we both had that dissimilar of a situation. If I were, if I had seen it for the first time when I was 30, <laughs> I would 100 percent agree with you and go, "Yes, I know what a gremlin is." And in pop culture, I've seen them on E. I've seen them on pop up video. You know what I mean? Like, I totally get it. But I just, but either way, it, it's just uh, I, I appreciate it. But e- regardless of our exposure before we saw it, like. You know, that shift may just not work for people. So I totally understand if the jarring nature of that shift does bother you because it it is jarring for sure. Oh, yeah. Big time. And it's like I said, it's not uh, it's not a gradual uh, like sense of dread that you kind of get like with Jaws. Right. Like you or even poltergeist to a certain extent where like you can tell that something is coming like as as soon as. Well, when they multiply, it's happy still. That's that's what the fun. That's what the interesting thing part of this is. Is that in the beginning of the movie, whenever the you know when the guy that owns the shop, his grandson, sells Gizmo behind his back to Billy's dad, he gives him the rules, you know, and he said, right. of course, the rules are that you they're allergic to light and sunlight will kill them. Uh, you can't get them wet, and the most important rule is do not feed them after midnight. So they set you up with these three ominous rules. And then 20-something minutes in, again, it's really early, uh, Corey Feldman and Billy are hanging out in the room, and and he knocks over the glass of water at his drawing desk, and it goes on to Gizmo. And so he starts replicating, and, you know, it's this really crazy effect where, you know, they used balloons, and they, like, puffed up these cocoon Mm -hmm. ball things. And It was, I got to tell you, the effects in this for 1984 
are next level. The effects in both movies are great. So oh yeah, yeah. I mean, well I mean I, well, there's yeah, some there's some sure. wonky green screen stuff in two. Okay, yes, but. There, uh, but and, and I just real quick, I have the trailer for the the original trailer for Gremlins playing, and I don't even know if I saw the trailer. Yeah. I might have only seen TV spots, um, but uh, there is no direct image of a gremlin in the trailer. Really, you don't even get a shot of Gizmo no. in the trailer. They tease, yeah, the like entire thing you a get, teaser? you see a hand coming up and taking the apple off the desk. And then at the the last shot is you see the the tops of a bunch of head of gremlin heads at the bottom of the screen like chasing something, but like there is no direct shot of the gremlin, so there's no gremlin, you know whether it's it, it's Gizmo or Stripe on the poster. Yeah, there's there's no real shot in the trailer, so like I mean yeah, we went in not knowing at all. Are you saying that Hollywood execs? allowed something to not be shown and to be surprised in a theater oh. i mean i think because it was spielberg is my <laughs> guess my, i mean honestly my guess is i don't think any other uh, other producer in hollywood maybe lucas but lucas wasn't have doesn't have the restraint to do that anyway um uh that's amazing but, though that they yeah. did not advertise one of the creations like to, to, to yeah like joe said I could not even fathom this day and age teasing a movie like that. I mean, it, not just a teaser trailer, but to actually have a full trailer tease audiences and not give them anything. That And it was like, it's like a two and a half minute trailer. Yeah. That's, and I, that's originally, it. I tried to just pull up TV spots. Yeah. Honestly, like, you know, back then, unless you happened to go see a movie, right. you didn't see a trailer. Sure. Like that, you know, like that was... So it it wasn't uncommon to see a movie without ever having seen a trailer. Yeah, that's fantastic. No, I mean, I I miss those days. I mean, because, you know, I, of course, don't seek out the trailers. But, you know, just be, by being on the Internet, you're going to get screenshots. You're going to get people talking oh, about stuff. Sure. Uh, the fact that they were able to hide it and reveal it in the theater, like, that's amazing to me. And I miss that type of surprise because that's how we used to yeah. go into movies. We, you know, with the, I mean, you could it was a lot easier to avoid those details and not watch a trailer if you didn't want to. And so, you know, I try to recreate that the best I can, but I think when you sit... It's impossible. Yeah, when you sit down in the movie theater and you discover a movie and everything about it, I think it's such a neat way to watch movies. And, uh, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, ag- agreed, agreed. But, uh, but yeah, so, like, I, I think that tonal shift is even greater going in like that, especially because, like, at that point, Spielberg is fairly synonymous with family-friendly entertainment and yeah. w- on the few occasions that it's not i mean they really telegraphed that poltergeist isn't a traditional spielberg movie so you know going in that it's a horror movie poltergeist is weird because they don't reference spielberg right like that's a to that they have toby hooper's name at the front of that movie but we all know what happened right like it's it's no secret that 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 toby hooper was um kicked off that movie but and spielberg is there as a producer but if you look at i think if you look at that poster or at least that trailer it up it says it's a toby hooper film and then spielberg came in and took over like and you can see the switch in that one too and i mean he probably wouldn't have wanted to put his name on it just to not make his brand kind of diluted like he didn't want to confuse Maybe. his brand. Like even if he did take over and do most of it, I just don't know that at the time that Spielberg, because like you said, he was synonymous with the family friendly fair and the adventure stuff. And he probably didn't want to be known as horror director, Steven Spielberg or horror producer. Yeah. You know, 
so yeah, so this is this is uh, you know 1984. We've got uh, I think it's Zach Gilligan uh, plays Billy uh, in the small town of Not Hill Valley, um, and he works at a bank. And his it, like his life is pretty uh, pretty normal, you know. Like he lives with his mom and dad, and he's got this Kate. Is her name Kate? Phoebe Kate's is Kate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're. I thought. I don't know why. Maybe it's that Mandela effect. I thought they were together in this movie, and they are not. Oh no! Like, you're thinking of the second. They are one, not for sure. Right. They're yeah. definitely together in the second one. But I thought they were boyfriend and girlfriend in this. Just real quick, that Spielberg poster or the Poltergeist poster. Uh, what you see is you see Carol Ann in front of a TV with her hands on it. It's. I think the the picture's technically in color, but it's very saturated to the point of practically black and white. At the top above the TV, it says they're here. Below it poltergeist below that it knows what scares you and then you get that standard uh kind of credits blurb that you see yeah. on posters uh you know outline who made it and then it but it, and it does say a it says steven spielberg presents um it's kind of small in here i think it actually says a steven spielberg presents i can't tell oh. it's, um oh hang on here's a bigger image of it yeah it says oh it says a steven spielberg production uh but I will also say it is not screaming Spielberg at you. No, not um, at all. But I will also say, having remember when that movie came out in eighty two, like I was very much aware that it was a Spielberg movie. Hmm. And you were. And I would have been twelve. You okay. Know? But I was very much aware that it was a Spielberg movie. I don't know how, but I but I was. I've never okay. seen it. You've yeah. never seen Poltergeist? No. Oh my what oh, the, it's, doing with your life. The first one's good. It's the first one's yeah. great. I'm not a yeah. horror guy. I watched Halloween for the it's first not, time with you, Joe. Like it's I just barely a horror movie. I know, but I like do, it I, is a horror movie. But I'm not a horror movie guy either. But it, it's it's a good movie. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Yeah, it, don't, the two and three maybe not so much. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I have to discover uh, a lot of my stuff through you guys. I mean, I've I've enjoyed finding. I mean, like I just watched Friday the Thirteenth one through eight recently. <laughs> so you didn't even finish this, finish the series. Uh, well, a little pandemic <laughs> and childbirth thing happened, so it was, you know, just... You can hold him and watch the movie. Just that little thing. Well, Ryan's yeah. not with me right now. We're watching them together, so... You're watch- You're letting Ryan watch the Friday the 13th series? Oh, yeah. Okay. Bold move. Mm-hmm. Especially the later ones. Well, you know what? They're all pretty awful. You know, it... <laughs> In the best do you way. Think, I mean, do you think kids haven't seen this stuff in video games or any other? I mean, I basically, if there's nudity, I tell them to to turn his head you know it covers so eyes. he just turns his head for three-fourths of those movies no there's there's there <laughs> i mean the, the, i bet you it's it's a few minutes total of if even it's it's very no, I know. yeah so but no i mean yeah he really That's wanted fun. to watch them so i'm like okay well, we'll watch them together i'm not gonna let him watch friday the 13th stuff by himself but we watch them and especially like later on like the kills get pretty ridiculous and it's oh yeah it's you haven't gotten to the, you got to the crazy ones yet oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny i honestly don't let him watch part nine really what's that yeah it, it i i there's a lot of uh hmm, incest oh. and rape in oh really oh, okay i yeah, see like yes that's different like that's a completely <laughs> different beast but and Jason's barely in it. Okay. Ooh, I did not. Yeah. Well, thanks for the warning. Yeah, I yeah. have no idea. Ten's fine. Ten is off the walls bonky. But anyway. Is that Jason X? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. So, Billy lives this very normal life uh, in this sleepy little town. Uh, works at a bank. And it's just, you know, 
very boring for Billy. He's a uh, he, he's into comic books. There's a lot of cool shots of uh, DC comics kind of scattered around in his room. Um, and his dad is and I use the term inventor very loosely. Yeah. He invents <laughs> things, uh, but none of them work or they're mm-hmm. ridiculous, like the automatic hammer uh, or things like that. So his dad goes into this uh, shop in there where do they say what city he's where that shop is is he in new york oh no they are in new york they are in, the according to this york right the shop is in new york's chinatown right, right. so he must have brought it back from new york okay yeah okay so he you know he tries to sell the old man something the old man box at it and says no uh the, then there's this kid who's not short round uh which i thought was interesting this is a spielberg movie and they have another character that looks almost identical and wearing a Yankees hat and wearing the same almost the same outfit. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, you saw, you saw that uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark radio billboard. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of Spielberg uh, Easter egg type yes. things in here. Yes, there are. The movie theater uh, that the, that you see in Not Hill Valley is showing was it a boy's life and something I forget the other title of the film but both of those were uh working titles for ET. Oh really? Yeah. Oh one's ET and one's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I wondered too because I'm like what movies are those? And then I looked it up and they were working titles. So I'm like, okay, that's clever. There's that's, there's a lot of clever. that stuff which is which is a neat little touch. It's almost like a Spielberg universe, you know? Like it's like you Give know, me the fact that, that movie. Right? There's all these Spielberg th- Well, I mean that's what Ready Player 1 essentially right. like remember Spielberg took away a lot of his own references because he thought it would be too meta, but the book like the book was heavy with Spielberg references, yeah. so that's kind of what Ready Player One was supposed to be. Give me a, in the next Indiana Jones is him trying to save the last Mogwai. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the last Indiana Jones is them trying to erase Crystal Skull from existence. <laughs> when people say I like that movie, it's like, oh, what? A, okay, all right, well, you do you. Uh, yeah. So the this he sees Gizmo in this cage, and he's enamored with Gizmo, and the old man won't sell it to him because he knows what gizmo is and what uh sort of insanity could follow the mogwai so he le- the, the dad leaves and the kid kind of chases him around the back like we said and he sells him behind the, the old man's back and the guy brings him home dad brings him home uh and like this it's it's very like this movie, like I said, at this point is still very much a Spielberg movie where mm-hmm. it's about family and about um, the sleepy town and like, you know, f- discovering this creature. Uh, and Corey Feldman, a very young Corey Feldman is in this movie as well. Speaking this kid of Friday the 13th. In, the kid's in everything. He was in everything. I it's forgot crazy. he was in this. He was the go-to child actor back in the day, man. Yeah. He was, when I, I mean, when he's on... Back- and he was on a lot of TV stuff too. Like there was a TV version of the Bad News Bears, and he was on that. When they originally rebooted uh, Leave It to Beaver, he played one of Beaver's kids. Um, I mean, he yeah, the, the, that dude was everywhere. he was everywhere. Like what was it? What, he was in one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, right? He was he was Tommy Jarvis, yeah, right. Like He's in I four or five, I think. I think four. Yeah, it's uh, the final chapter, part four, not Is that four. four? Movies. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it three like, different keep, actors played that character. Yeah. As I go back though, and I watch these older movies, and I keep seeing Corey Feldman pop up, it's crazy <laughs> yeah. to realize how many roles he had. And then you know you have the voice stuff like the Fox and the Hound. You have Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Like, he was he man, was all over I, the place. It's crazy to see how far he fell when he was everywhere early on. Uh, you know, child actors in the eighties, man. Like yeah. I don't. Anyway, we could probably count on one hand how many made it out okay. <laughs> right. Right. You yeah. know. So they reproduce, like we said, and it, it, yeah, it seems Corey cute. Corey Feldman and... knocks the water over. And he, we get a bunch of different ones, and they all look a little bit different, and they all have different attitudes. And, of course, we, we know that Gizmo is timid and cute and kind of funny and almost puppy-slash-baby-like. Oh, he's these Howie other Mandel. Ones, he is Howie Mandel, yeah. which is great. Like I, again, totally forgot that he was the voice of Gizmo. When and, you, did you ever watch Bobby's World? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the so same it, voice. It's the same. It's the same <laughs> voice. And so when you realize that, it, it clicks in your head. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. There it is. So where is he in his career in 1983? Doing uh, ones. <laughs> no, he's coming on. I mean, he has a major role on uh, one of the most prestigious shows on television. He's on Saint Elsewhere, and. Um, so he's on St. Elsewhere, and he's a very, very popular stand-up comic. In fact, part of the problem, I heard an interview with him recently on, on Mark Maron's podcast, and he was talking about how it was difficult for him to navigate St. Elsewhere because, one, it would draw people to his shows that knew him from this very kind of highbrow television show, and his act is not highbrow, and yeah. that he was also already a very successful stand-up comedian and because St. Elsewhere had such a sprawling cast, he's like he honestly, he goes, by the time I paid my agent's commission my manager's commission and taxes he's like, I really didn't make that much and he's like, and he's like I made my real money from stand-up and so, I mean, he was a very very, at the time, if Howie Mandel went on tour, he would probably sell out a three or four thousand seat theater um, Wow! and there was a time when Originally, they wanted him to stop doing stand-up and, uh, when he was on St. Elsewhere. And he was just like, you don't pay me enough. And he's, <laughs> like, and he's, like, I, he's like, I can't live on what you pay me. So he's like, if you, if, you, know, he's like, I'm not, if you want me to stop doing stand-up, you either, have, you either have to pay me more or you have to shut up and right. just let me do it. And eventually he said they never brought it up again. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but so Howie Mandel was was definitely like, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I'd say, I, you know, a big he's certainly not an A-list actor, but he's a, a known commodity with a very legit fan base at this point in time. OK, uh, yeah. So and we've got uh, our more, more gremlins and Billy is just trying to keep the status quo. Like he's trying to keep these things under wraps and it's not working. He takes um, one of them to go see, I guess it's his old high school science teacher. Yeah. I don't really know how they knew each other, but that's what I assumed it was. Um, And and the science teacher kind of has him locked up and he's trying to figure out uh, what this creature is. Um, and he, he, this is going to lead to this poor man's downfall. <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> it's poor guy. Like um, his head is torn off with a syringe in his butt. <laughs> they never show you what happens, which but I, I mean, but yeah, he gets pulled under the desk and you never, you can't see he's what dead happens. and his head is under a desk. I'm guessing there's yeah. a rated R. There's no what head. happened to the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so while Gizmo is just, you know, being like the good one, these other, uh, Mogwai turn off the cl- turn off Billy's clock, 
so he so he feeds them after midnight like they're like shaking they're like convulsing in the drawer they're so like he thinks they're hungry you know it's just so funny to see him like vibrating in the desk and he's like okay i'll feed you it's only 11 40 or whatever right we're good to go (laughs) so he feeds them and that unfortunately uh is where this movie changes (laughs) this is as soon as you see like the pods that, so what happens is he feeds them after midnight, and because of that, that begins this metamorphosis into the the green, goopy gremlin. Those look uh, just like alien pods. They did look very they similar do. to alien pods. <laughs> Didn't they? Like, I mean, an, an alien was in the 70s, right? Like, yeah, was it's like first. 79, I think. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. clearly, like, I mean, I don't know. That's pretty darn close. <laughs> it was pretty close. Uh, and then they are birthed. And this is where we get Spike. No, Stripe. Spike's Stripe. in part two. Yep. Uh, and all of the other gremlins. And what they do is they end up repli- – so it's interesting. It's a it's a rule that I didn't even think about. Mm. If, so if they replicate as a mogwai, mm-hmm. they replicate mogwais. Right. But if they but replicate if... as a gremlin, oh, they yeah. replicate gremlins. Yeah. I didn't even process that until I oh, watched it Oh, that's a good again. call. Like, yeah, the gremlin, the gross ones aren't having cute little fluffy fur balls. No. <laughs> um, so they, the gremlins take over this, they replicate themselves and they make more of them. And which is fun because it gives your characters in this movie fodder to just do gross things to them. Right. Yeah. Like Billy's mom throws one in a microwave and bl- like legitimate Once in a blender. Right. Before that, he's like in the blender thing and she turns I it on and he's spinning maybe. around food process yeah, goes, or whatever that thing is i think it goes blender and then yeah and then microwave, microwave. yeah so they i mean they are chopping up monsters like that's they're blowing them up they're making them gross did you so did you read this i know tom did some research did you hear about that they originally wanted the, the execs wanted these played by monkeys yeah they, oh really they they, they try <laughs> okay so at first he's like joe dante's like i do not want to do stop motion animation for this entire movie and so they're like we want to do puppets and the execs are like oh that will be really expensive is like let's put costumes on monkeys yeah and so <laughs> one of the monkeys started having a panic attack and freaking out when they put because the head they on put it. a head on it right and yeah. they and he started throwing his feces destroying things and going crazy and then joe dante turns to the executive <laughs> and he goes so puppets then yeah. <laughs> so I mean, anyway. Uh, so they these were almost monkeys in suits. Well, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Did you also see that uh, Spielberg was really close to hiring Tim Burton to direct this? Yeah. After Frank and Weenie, he was going to yeah. go to Tim Burton, but he hadn't proven himself on a feature, so we went with Joe Dante. You yeah. know what? I can see that totally. Even the sets and even the the wackiness of that, I can absolutely see tim burton yeah. being a part of this it, movie it would be a very different looking movie but i think it could i think it would still be a pretty good movie especially this era of tim burton yes. yeah and this movie was written by chris columbus on a spec yeah. script so mm-hmm. he he only did this just to prove that he had what it t- took to write films and spielberg read it and he said it was the, one of the most creative things that he had ever read and he made the movie so Columbus wasn't even trying to get this thing made, which is really interesting. Uh, 1984, you know? though, it probably was. What's that? Like, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, the I'm, most, well, one of the more creative. Oh, yeah. Uh, coming out, you know, if Spielberg says it was. And that's <laughs> yes. why he made the movie. I'm guessing it was. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, Chris. Chris Columbus, of course, would go on to to uh, direct Home Alone and direct the first Harry Potter movies, and which uh, Home Alone is why he's not involved in Gremlins Two is because they were filming simultaneously, and so 
they couldn't get him back. Right, and what a shift, and we'll get into that in the second one, but it's in the, interesting. In the best way. But but to, but just it, either way, it's like it's interesting to think that like you had Chris Columbus writing this script, they make the movie, and then you get him to leave to do Home Alone, and then you get Gremlins too. So we'll we'll get into those differences and, and all big, that. But two two big wins, two big yeah. wins. That's all I got. <laughs> but say. it's always yeah. fascinating when you see these people that go on to be big deals working on things that you know when when before their names where you you can look back and be like boy you really had a murderer's row at the time and you didn't know it oh know? yeah at, i mean look at, look at last week with scooby-doo right well yeah i was gonna yeah. say james gunn but then you have like ron howard doing the corman stuff like oh, all yeah. these directors that would become terrence malick writing uh, working on the screenplay for dirty harry like yeah. oh yeah that's right yeah <laughs> there's a lot so- of yeah, a lot of weird things like that. Um, but we should uh, also mention, um, b- before we move on, though, real quick, like, so the special effects, like, Rick Baker did the second uh-huh. movie, but uh-huh. he didn't uh-huh. He didn't do this one. So uh, I think, so this came out in 84. I think he was probably doing American World of London. Oh, was he? Okay. I think I, so. I always presumed that this one was him, right? Because the second one was, and I didn't realize that he had taken that over. Uh, do you remember the guy's name that did these effects? Says they were designed by Chris Wa- Wallace. Chris, yeah, Chris Wallace, I believe. Yeah. So, so credit to him. Like he did amazing work, and so much so that Rick Baker didn't even want to take over for the second one, you know, because he wanted to be original and everything. So, like, you know, you got a guy like Rick Baker praising these things so they looked great real quick because we're you know talking about last week's scooby-doo and we were talking about the voices um frank welker is the voice of stripe he is yeah and suggested howie mandel that's how howie mandel got the gig oh nice good for him uh yeah so and then to me the movie really a it doesn't go all the way crazy until phoebe cates gives her speech the speech and that when, Spielberg wanted pulled from the movie. Yeah. When she gives that speech, that is your flip. That is your switch is when all hell breaks loose. She I don't think this, it's necessarily the switch. I just think it's really self-aware. Oh. Like Joe Dante wanted it kept in there because he knew like he, it's a perfect representation of the movie. How it, you get that like sweet Spielberg type of story and then it's horrifying what ends up happening yeah, to the yeah. dad that he slips, oh breaks God. his neck, dies in the fireplace, and they light the fireplace. Like, it's <laughs> and insane. And they can't figure out what the smell is. Yeah. And it's funny because the executives were like, is this supposed to be serious or funny? <laughs> right. And he's like, and he's like yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, he's that's like, what the that's movie the whole is. movie. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, uh. the, but, 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 I mean, you have all these gremlins wreaking havoc and dying in blenders and microwaves. Like, I think, I think this is just a perfect representation of the movie. But, I mean, once the gremlins get going, like, they're pretty nuts. It's nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's nonstop. Uh, so, yeah, so the, they get out. They actually go after the neighbor. I'm trying to think of that guy's name who plays the, the neighbor who is Dick always Miller? Dick Miller. Yes, thank you, Dick Miller. Yes, oh yeah, uh, always in great character actor. Yeah, um, and he's such a racist. Oh, he's so racist. <laughs> like it didn't play quite that egregious back then. I mean, it, he played more as just a paranoid nut job, and now you're just like, oh, I know how this story ends <laughs> yeah. in the yeah, real he becomes world. President. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like the scene, so his, the, like the neighbor, the gal in, you know, these, the gremlins are just going all over the place. The, there's the gal in the, uh, like automated wheelchair 
that gets launched out of a window. Is that the one from the bank? Yeah, it is. No. Oh, it, it is? It is. It is for sure. It's difficult to tell uh-huh. because she has her wig off, and I was even commented on it. Well, I was confused when I watched it, but I'm like, I think that's the lady, the mean lady from the bank. It is, and, and the reason I know that is because I, I know the actress. It's Polly Holiday, who, if if you know anything about 70s sitcoms, she's one of the most iconic characters in 70s sitcoms. Um, but she played uh, she played Flo on Alice, so oh. the gum chopping waitress who used to say "kiss my grits" all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, like, that's her, and she looks. She has never looked anything like Flo. She only ever looked like <laughs> Flo when they made her look like Flo, right? Like it's in uh um and so whenever you see her in anything else, you're just like, who is that? And so when they when they showed her as the old lady going up the thing, like uh like I I was like, "Oh, that's for sure okay. Polly Holiday." And uh but yeah, so she played Flo. Another interesting just how things come full circle. She had a spin-off uh, called Flow, and didn't do very well, and it got canceled after just a few episodes. But the theme song for that so show was sung and written by Hoyt Axton, who plays the inventor Billy's father. So, wow. Are you serious right now? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Hoyt Axton is also a very—he's a famous musician and and uh, songwriter. And his best known song uh, is he wrote "Joy to the World." So. Oh, Jeremiah wow. was a bullfrog. That's Hoyt Axton. So that's crazy. Yeah, Jeez. six degrees of Tom O'Keefe. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I was going to say seven ones. degrees of Joe Dante. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's also probably true. <laughs> so these gremlins. I mean, Kate works at a bar, uh, and these gremlins are just destroying this town. They're taking everybody out. I really liked this humor beast. Of course, this movie is very much a dark comedy with all these humans getting terrorized and the gremlins dying and they're killing people and it's crazy. I really like how in the bar, the gremlins are just hanging out. They don't kill Kate. They She was waiting on the gremlins. Yes. I just thought it was a really yes. funny comedic beat. Like they're terrorizing everybody. Does her boss say we're going to close the bar? And then she's like, and then he's like, never mind. We'll just wait on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's. <laughs> Apparently, this movie was really popular in foreign countries because they would dub in local jokes for ah. the gremlins. So, like, they'd be singing like German drinking songs for when it aired in Germany or whatever. So they would they would insert local references yeah. and people ate it up. So yeah, it was gremlins, all improvised, so there yeah. was no script. So yeah, the people who did the voices just improvised for their country. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah. And then, so they're just taking like gremlins. There's so many of them that they can just blow them up. They can do whatever they want with them. The final showdown comes when Billy, uh, they go to the movies to watch Snow White. They do, which is a great callback in the next one. Yeah. Oh yeah. They just want to watch Snow White. (laughs) Would you ever see this today? You know what I mean? Like, would like an extended clip of Snow White plays. Oh yeah. And you know, what is this? In a a Warner Brothers Brothers picture yeah it's so weird not until who framed roger rabbit have you seen such a crossover which was also instigated by spielberg right yeah. like it's they would they do it for anyone else yeah. no 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 hell no um yeah so the final showdown comes with billy and uh real quick it makes me wonder if the reason spielberg could get it was because he was already working on roger rabbit that was in production for a long time and it came in out 1984 didn't that come out in 1990 90 89 
Well, I don't remember when it came, but still, I mean, that was a long time. It was in production. for. They tried to get that movie made for like over 10 years, I think. It came out in 88, so it's only okay. four years okay. later. Yeah. You know? I just bought that book. Oh, really? Oh, Who Killed Roger Rabbit? Is it Who Killed Roger Rabbit? I thought the book was called Who Killed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, I think so. It might be. And then they softened it. I found it on eBay, and I was like, yeah, I'll buy it cool. for 10 bucks." I should say on Disney+, Plus, there's a great uh, pop culture. Oh, it's culture. so good. Uh, if you're not watching... Disney Plus the original programming. There's some great stuff, especially yeah, for Disney fans. Yeah, that prop culture show but is amazing. Prop culture. This dude goes around the country and he goes and he collects movie memorabilia, and then he goes around and they actually give him real props that were used in Disney movies. Like he takes them out of the vault and he flies around the country to the people that made them, and he Doesn't discovers he, them. He fixes and, the the shrink ray. Like he does. He read he redoes the shrink ray from Honey I Shrunk yeah, the Kids. There's, yeah, there's there's so many great great things in there but watch the one on who framed roger rabbit i recently watched that movie and then i went and watched the prop culture and man yeah it is, it's fascinating when, when they show christopher lloyd the original Outfit. judge costume yeah. oh so good that's one of the scariest uh, things in a movie as a kid it without question yeah without those question. red eyes and when he oh, turns the daggers, into like yeah. the cartoon th- he talks like this yeah uh yeah so it comes down to Billy and uh, Gizmo versus Stripe in this department store. And oh, it's because cra- well, they blow up the movie theater. They yes. open a gas line or whatever, and they're all trapped, and they're watching Snow White, and they end up That's blowing how they the place get, up. They all get blown up. And you think, like, oh, it's over. They killed them all. But Stripe was in the department store, and I love that he walks out holding, like, movie candy, like he was going to raid it to bring it over to the movie theater. And he's like, oh, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, no. Drops it all and my runs, buddies are dead. Ru- drops it and runs back in the store. Yeah. And, and I like how there's, like, in the department store, there's all these Looney Tunes stuffed animals. and There's, there's so all many- kinds of dc and warner brother related stuff out there uh so stripe realizes that he needs to make more if he if if he wants to win this he needs to make more so he jumps into the fountain uh and billy uh billy who has been somehow beaten up and destroyed by one gremlin (laughs) uh, he's he's kind of a wimp (laughs) oh the gremlin had a chainsaw and was attacking him with it like he also had a baseball he's a gremlin kevin he comes up to your knee he has a comes up to your knee with a chainsaw he's a chainsaw joe that's not he also had a bat and judging by the chain that was on that chainsaw that didn't cut immediately through that bat it's an aluminum bat he's he has an aluminum bat that's yeah and 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 the gremlin doesn't have that much weight you know when you use a chainsaw you put your weight into it to cut he's a (laughs) but still joe have you hold on hold on joe have you ever fought a gremlin holding a chainsaw uh the government said i cannot speak of that so uh, i can either confirm or not (laughs) okay carry on (laughs) i've been listening to this thing called winds of change this podcast have you listened to this i've heard of it it's about the scorpion song and how it's like cia propaganda So this guy tried to get information on it, and the guy, the government was like, "We can neither confirm nor deny that scorpions were involved with any CIA operation ever." And the guy's like, "That's it." And they're like, "That's it." Okie dokie. Very good. I, I love the practical effects in this movie, and I think they look. Oh, they're um, so. Good. I think they all look amazing. I'm so glad. I couldn't imagine it with CG and all that stuff. Um, but this is one of my very favorite ones: the melting in the fountain. Yeah, I think so, that special so, effects incredible. Like Tom said, it was supposed to be Billy, but here it's Gizmo stepping up to the plate <laughs> uh, and pulls – it's daylight now. And he pulls the the blinds to open and, of course, uh, Stripe is in, engulfed in sunlight. And at the same time, it is – he's in the water. So it's like double goop. Yeah. 
Oh, he it just looks so good the way he melts looks, away, and then it's like his skull, and then that melts away. That it, was a great. That was a great little like slasher flick ending oh, where yeah. his skeleton pops up out of the yeah jumps up and then it and then, melts. And, but then the, the the effect that I thought was the most badass is like when he's when the um, gremlin goop is on the floor. Yeah, it's like bubbling. Yeah. I just thought that was an. I thought that was a great effect. It looks great. I, I was, miss. Yeah. I miss practical effects like this. CG would just. I mean, we said it before. We'll we'll say it and continue to say it. Just doesn't carry the weight. And when you see these kind of practical effects, it it's so much more. Even though you know they're not real, it's clearly a movie and they're clearly puppets. But they hold more of a threat than any CG creature you know would ever hold. And oh I, yeah. yeah, it's great to watch these movies because of the time and the money they put into creating these creatures. When we get to the the gremlin bat fight in the second one mm-hmm. like that that would have uh, been way better had it been a real gremlin <laughs> right right the entire time the right, entire yeah time. right so so yeah 1984's oh. gremlins if you haven't seen it there's I, a I there's a dog chasing a deer in my neighbor's yard we have new neighbors and this dog is going <laughs> after a deer chasing it around in circles Go that's, get it. that's Go get terrifying it, that's horrible <laughs> <laughs> Does he, did he get it? I don't know. It's behind trees, but I literally saw a dog run out and a deer running in circles away from a dog. <laughs> she was like, oh, no, oh, no, I made a – this dog hasn't been here before. <laughs> oh, God, okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, I just find it hard to believe that nobody has seen this movie or has not seen this movie. I yeah. feel like this is one of those ones that um, – if you're an 80s kid, this is one of the ones that like it was a staple for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you haven't seen it or you want to introduce your kids to it, I cannot recommend it enough. Just be warned. It is probably would be rated closer to PG-13, closer oh, to the would, 13 part. <laughs> PG-13 exists because of this movie and Temple of Doom. Yeah. So this is absolutely I think with Poltergeist a modern day- is PG as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, because my poltergeist is two years earlier. Didn't yeah. the rating didn't even exist yet? Right, yeah. right. Um, the MPAA is like Stephen. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can't I, show this. Well, they were basically like, you know, he was gonna have to start making stuff R, and then he proposed like, okay, let's put something in between because I can't sell tickets with R. Yeah, and how much juice do you have to have? Where you're like, how about we just make up a new rating for me? Where the MPAA is like, yeah, we'll listen to you. Okay. Yeah. You want to make up another rating? We can do that. <laughs> yeah. And I always think it's, it's interesting, real quick, before we wrap up, just to kind of show you where pop culture was at the time. Here are the top 10 movies from 1984. It's just okay. kind of interesting historical context. So I'll start at number 10 is uh, Splash, starring Tom Hanks and uh, um, Daryl Hammond. Uh, nope. There, there we go. Hammond. Not Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. No. Daryl Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, directed by Ron Howard. Right. Uh, Star Trek three, the search for Spock, uh, romancing the stone, which if you haven't seen is a lot of fun. Uh, Footloose. All right. Police Academy. The first one. Don't tell Spath. Oh, Michael Winslow was doing voices in this movie, too. Yeah, totally. It also explains why you get so many of them. Right. Mm -hmm. The the, the first one was the sixth highest grossing movie of 1984. Um, Coming in at number five, the Karate Kid coming in at number four gremlins mm-hmm. and and this is and also to show you where movies were back then gremlins is the first movie on this list to earn over a hundred million dollars man that's so, crazy yeah hmm. and so number three indiana jones and the temple of doom again for perspective gremlins made 153 indiana jones made 179 so that's a i mean 
I mean, I know what number one is. That's a murderer's row of movies. I bet you don't know what number one is. I thought it was Ghostbusters. Coming in at number two, Ghostbusters. Oh. With hmm. uh, unadjusted for inflation, $229 million. That's a lot and, of money. Yeah. And then coming in at number one, again, and again, I just think this is great historical perspective, right, to show you what was going on in pop culture. Coming in at number one in 1984 with $234 million, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, that makes sense. Wow. <laughs> that and, totally makes and, sense. And I need, a, I need a PG-13, Mr. Spielberg. It's rated R. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's fair. It's funny that the movie that Eddie Murphy was supposed to be in comes at number two, and then the one that he is the star, the lead in, comes at number one. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's back before The Hangover rebooted it. It's like, you know, rated R comedies were a huge deal. And, uh, you know, that I mean, that's what it would take as a huge comedian like that to, to bring in that kind of box office. To do that was, they've, they've gone away. That was the best part about uh, having divorced parents is you could <laughs> you could get you could talk your dad into taking you to R-rated movies. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I saw Beverly Hills Cop. I was you know, I would have been I'd have been, you know, 13 when Beverly Hills Cop came out. So I couldn't see that movie. And so we've got my dad to take me. That's hilarious. Well, so. we got to wrap this up because I have to Absolutely. go videotape this dog chasing this deer. I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> well, it's good to have priorities. So, okay, well, that's it for this one. Let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. Follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And, of course, if you could be so kind as to check out our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So that's it for this one. Coming up on the next one, we will enter into the realm of misbegotten sequels with Oh, I guess Gremlins. we should say the end of this movie is the, the old man comes back and takes takes, takes the Gremlin. Takes him with him. And that's yeah. how it ends. And you're just yeah. like, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, you're not ready for this, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Gremlins 2, the next batch, is what will come up on the next one. Until then, Arnold is drawn, quartered, and multiplies. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.